Hi, my name is Ali Alanias, and I am award-winning author, novelist, executive producer, podcaster, and founder of Unsugarcoated Media. And you are listening to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast with John Hewlin. This is Relationships and Revenue, the show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. So glad you decided to spend some of your hard-earned time with today. And as you heard in that fabulous introduction, my guest today is Alia Lanius. Alia, how are you? I'm fantastic. I was so nervous. Did I do it right? <laughs> you are doing so great. Thank you so much for that. So, folks, if you don't know who Alia is, first of all, you need to. You need to get to know her. And before we're done, we'll be sure to let you know how you can find her. But before we do that, let me tell you a little bit about her. And as she mentioned in the introduction, she is a podcast host. It's Unsugarcoated with Alia, which is a fabulous podcast, but I really did. You're too kind. She's a producer. She's a director. Uh, she's got projects that are either complete or working on profiling, fighting fire with fire. Is that correct? Correct. And those are finished. Those are released. <laughs> All right. Those are awesome. All right. Those are out. She is a world traveler. So... She gets around, that's for sure. She's the founder, as she said earlier, of Unsugarcoated Media. And she's the author of two books so far. Let's see, Tough Love, and tell me the name of the other one, because I'm not sure I'm going to say that one right. Jugend. It's a German word. Jugend. Jugend. Okay. For it means youth in German. All right, there you go. So, oh, she has two other titles that I suspect, well, three now that I'm aware of them, that she holds most dearly, wife, mom, and grandma. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. The grandma one still trips people out. Me a little too, I think. I think the first grandkid for a minute, you're like, wow, I really mitosis a lot. Mm. <laughs> you know, that, that science class in seventh grade really comes back to you. <laughs> oh, for sure. Well, you don't look like a grandma. so <laughs> <laughs> That's what I keep telling myself. <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> take us back a little bit, Alia. I would love for you to dig a little deeper into your story because while I just barely scratched the surface into who you are, there is a lot in your backstory that gets us to where we are today. So can you help us with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, again, thank you so much for having me on, John. I appreciate mm. it. I love what you're doing. I think that relationships and revenue definitely are, you know, hand in hand with one another. Um, backstory, you know, and, and, appreciate, and appreciate you sharing some of the things that I do and, you know, having the opportunity uh, because ultimately what I like to do is create impact through storytelling. And I want to support mostly survivors of trauma, who's what I relate to. And, you know, in a pandemic world, we're all experiencing, we've all experienced a level of trauma together. that's really um, put us all in an interesting place. So I, I say that to preface that my backstory does have a lot of trauma. Of course, it makes sense that I would be passionate to help survivors of trauma, not because I just woke up from a privileged, perfect, life, which none of us have, by the way, but regardless, you know, some, some of us have more traumas than others. And so I, I relate to those individuals and, you know, I, I, I'm driven largely by a knowledge that I can help people. 
And that includes, um, you know, things like that make some people very uncomfortable, uh, sexual assault, you know, things that I had had happened to me as a child. I was homeless at 14 years old. Mm. And it wasn't because I came from an uneducated or even a, a respectable family. It's that I came from an, a, an emotionally unintelligent family and who were very well intentioned, but had a very outdated belief systems. Mm. And those were passed on to me. And I say that because, you know, when we talk about what's arrived, where I've arrived today, it started off like entering adulthood very hard right mm -hmm. and honestly my biggest desire in life john was like you said one of the titles that i hold i wanted to be a wife and a mother i wanted to create the family that i i wanted to fill in the gaps oh. where my family hadn't really done a good job and so that led to my first marriage you know i had a marriage where we we built a very successful business together in fact, we were one of the original dealers with MetroPCS.com. Mm. Uh, excuse me, not .com, MetroPCS. Long time before there was a MetroPCS.com we were with yeah. them. Right. <laughs> and, uh, um, but I say that, you know, uh, and so financially and like family, look, we were that family that had all the pictures up on the wall, John. Mm. They look so good. Yeah. They look so good. But what I was hiding was domestic violence. What I was what I was hiding were things that were not conducive to a healthy relationship. And so like many people, I came to the ultimate conclusion that my marriage needed to end it. And so I left behind the very successful business that I had built with my husband at that time. And I moved forward. And then I met, you know, I eventually did get married again. And now, you know, my my current husband and I was a phenomenal man. And, and, and has more of a better partnership with me mm. and compatibility, which mm -hmm. you would want to do in a business relationship as well, right? Like oh, I yeah. really want us to get into that conversation about partnerships <laughs> and yeah, it's a much more successful partnership. And so our relationship and our revenue is doing really well. And that's what has me doing what I'm doing today. By the way, your husband's name is Joseph. Joseph Lanius. Yes, he is. He's, now, he is, he's an attorney as well as an executive producer. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, he's technically. So tell me how those go together. Because I was really, when I was doing my research, I was like, those are very interesting and seemingly very different occupations. Well, no, not in the sense of, well, yes and no. I mean, as an executive producer, he's very fortunate to have a legal background and ultimately like, you know, you think about Missy Elliott, who was a backup singer before she became the lead singer. Mm. Um, when you actually are working production legal, you learn a lot. And if mm. you're smart and see for my husband being coming, being an entertainment attorney is one facet of his skill set. But his other skill sets that lead to strategy and understanding how to package and maneuver the, the landscape of film and entertainment successfully you know, which is why, yes, we so he's evolved truly to a filmmaker because he knows what it's going to take to get a film done and he can mm. get them done. We just recently were in Venice. We attended the Venice Film Festival for The Card Counter, which is currently in films. During the pandemic, one of his film projects was number two on Netflix, trending. He has another nice. film coming out. It's Sundance. I mean, you know, so it, it's moving. He's moving. He's moving and grooving. And I think that honestly, what makes that he was a DJ before he became an entertainment attorney. Some people don't know that like it's that's How the fun funny part yeah. so we're both creatives right he's yeah. a creative and for some people it's an, a means to an end and so just being but yeah I'm, and the, but the, i will say as an ep it's interesting because we're 
uh, for an executive producer's role, normally you're kind of coming in and you're just, you're dealing with the money, but then when something goes wrong, you hand that off to the attorney, right? You hand that off to legal. Yeah. yeah. He gets, he's all, so like, he can't turn to anybody. He's turning, you know, he's turning to himself <laughs> and him. It's kind of funny anyway, but yeah, so that, that's how he ended up there. Okay. One of the terms that came to my mind as I was thinking about this interview and knowing what I know about your, especially the you've been through, the term that came to my mind was overcomer. Is that a title that you would grab a hold of in yourself? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because when you're, to, there's different stages, you know, like grief, right? There's yeah. different stages of grief. There's acceptance, there's denial, there's anger. And for trauma, it is the same thing, mm -hmm. but you can stay in a state way longer than you need to be. Mm -hmm. And so while you're in victim state, you're still processing what has happened to you. While you're in survivor state, you're learning to really uh, understand that not all things, you know, you know, it's not your fault. Like it's not your fault. You didn't lose your worth. You're not devalued as a, as a result of the traumas that you go through. And then there's the thriving, which is what you mm -hmm. brought the overcomer. Oh, yeah. That's where you're at, man. Now I get it. <laughs> I'm not phased by anything. Cause I understand that this is just, this isn't, this is an unfortunate event. You know, your the books that you've written very interesting, especially your first one entitled Tough Love. But you wrote it as a novel. Tell us a little bit more, not only about the book and certainly the why behind it, but who's it? So the the first book, and I'm going to tell you too. People know I jump genre because I don't. I write what's on my heart. I write what mm -hmm. I'm supposed to write, right? Sure. So Tough Love is is a biographical fiction novel. Um, based on the end of uh, my last marriage and based on the period to where I was transitioning from, <laughs> yo, this really sucks to like, wait a minute, why am I dealing with this? You know, mm. to um, because for a lot of and this is so this is for the person who's in a toxic relationship. They're starting to recognize that, but they mm. still struggle with letting go because ultimately that is hard to do in any marriage as it comes to its end, you know, and often who you're divorcing is not the person you married. You know, there's certain things that I think a lot of people don't go into a marriage understanding. Um, and, I, and, and as a result or, or recognizing for emotional intelligence purposes. And so I just, you know, so that book was written as a novel though, because yeah, there were certain things. I think every, there's a, first of all, everything that we read is inspired by some true events or true inspiration or true thought that it was had by somebody, right? And right. I wanted to be able to share myself and my story to empower the people who had gone through what I, what I relate to. Mm -hmm. um, but I also wanted to be able to change things. I wanted to be able mm. to make things easy for a story. Cause you know, that's the thing about real life, man. So is sometimes I used to, when people used to say, you should write your story. I would say, I don't know where to begin because it can be so freaking crazy that I've literally had, John, I've literally had some people say, there's just no way that all happened to one person. <laughs> like, okay, this might've happened to one person and this person, no, you went through all of this stuff. Wow. Okay. Like, how is that even possible? It's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And and it's interesting because even one of the most raw and authentic moments that I wrote in that book, which is a scene of domestic violence, which really did occur. And the reason I could write about it so well was because I was writing from personal experience. And somebody wrote in one of the reviews, because not everyone loved it. Somebody wrote, oh, no, she actually liked it. But she, she says, well, that scene was a bit over the top. And I was like, <laughs> over the top? That's real. Like of all the, if anything, I embellished or changed for the story, that was not one of them. 
So mm-hmm. to my point, some people have a hard time digesting it. So I felt novel allowed me to where I didn't have to say, oh, this is 100% true. I'm just making it nice and neat for story purposes, right? Sure. So yes. So, um, and I know you had probably said something else, but there, I'm going to leave it at that. Give it back to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. That's fine. Um, not see what we're doing and hear this. That's my notes. And for those of you who know, who have been listening and or watching this particular podcast for any length of time, I do write it all out. It works better for my brain. Um, since October happens to be Domestic Violence Awareness Month, which is, by the way, one of the reasons why I'm wearing a shirt that has purple in it. Oh, nice. To, to honor nice. that. Um, you know... I want to talk a little bit about your process of how you came out of it. But even more than that, Alia, what I want to know is how did you take that, learn from it, grow, and how did that lead you into where you are now? That's what I really want to know. Because, okay, so it's very interesting because like everything, it is a journey. Okay, I say this. my evolution has led to my revolution. Okay. And I'm very, I mean that because life is a journey, even in what I do. So one of the things people are like, you're, you're so, you know, you'd be a great coach. And I love coaches. Don't get me wrong. There are fantastic coaches. People need, people don't understand. They undervalue the fact that they can actually benefit from a coach, right? Especially a good one or a good one. Should I say? Okay. So I, I say that to say that, but I don't, I don't have the patience to do one-on-one. I want to <laughs> impact the masses. Okay. I, because okay. I recognize you can, okay. So you can take a horse to water, but you can't make a drink, but you can put some salt in that hay and make them thirsty. So my, okay. you know, what I do with my work is I'm trying to make you thirsty. I'm trying to um, get you to see a, that, you know, if we actually address some of our traumas, then we can become better. And as part of that journey, our evolution mm. becomes our revolution. Yes. So, you know, it for me, and no matter how much I tell someone, like I, my kids will not grow up to do what I say. They will still grow up to make their own decisions. Some of them will be exactly what I did, even though I told them, don't do that. But <laughs> right. to the point, yeah. right? Like you just, this is just how it works sometimes. Sometimes it's, now they'll come back and be like, you were right. But <laughs> what, you know, what, what good is that? I tried to help you out. So it's your journey. <laughs> it's mine too. Fine. Let me just give you as much knowledge as I can and download it to you. Um, and my process, it really includes like tapping into what it is that I see are some of the issues I want to address. And I want to, you know, like help another person be able to grapple with. So when I sit down, it's not like, so for example, tough love, some people will say, oh, was it very, um, was it healing? Was it therapeutic? Was it mm-hmm. cathartic? And my answer is no. You know, it was, um, it was empowering, you know, excuse me, it was, yeah, it was empowering because for the first time my evolution was becoming a revolution. Cause not only did I have the knowledge now, I'm not afraid to share it. I'm not afraid mm-hmm. to tell my truth. And that did include saying, yes, I was, you know, while everything looked great, my husband was, was felt at that. My ex-husband at that time felt that he could put his hands on me mm-hmm. and that it was okay to do those things. And I, as strong as I was, and this is the confusing part and I have to give a shout out. I wrote an article. I'm a columnist at aware now magazine, and it goes out to 16 million people a month. I write a column mm-hmm. in there. Usually I put the podcast, but this month I felt compelled to write my article. And I wrote about the thoughts that go through a, do- a domestic violence, you know, a victim's mindset. Mm-hmm. And you know, I did that because it was time to like say, and, and just, and, and people would always say, you're strong. So how was I going to tell people I'm so strong, but yet I'm getting my butt whooped at home, right? Like that's something right. that not everybody can do. So when I set my process 
with the book is, yeah, this is what being empowered really looks like. I'm not afraid to say what I need to say. I'm not afraid to be unsugarcoated. Yeah. So um, that's kind of one thing. One second. Uh, you might hear a noise in the background, audience. Uh, pardon me. Someone's coming home. I'm still working from home, like mm. many people. Are you still working from home? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. so yeah so i mean that's that's kind of the process been the process for me and um and i mean i really mean that i've had some interesting interactions recently where i meet people who really they're doing amazing things and they mm. would seem to you to have all the confidence in the world as they should yeah. but yet i see them struggle i know that they'll struggle and i you know just feel like compelled to help those people out that's fantastic. You know, you mentioned <clears throat> unsugarcoated. So let's talk about your podcast. So <laughs> obviously, it's unsugarcoated with Alia. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. I mean, what are you doing with it? What direction are you headed? So just share it all. Well, thank you. I mean, you know, out of respect, I so podcast a podcaster, I'll tell you this, I didn't want to do a podcast originally, I respected it. And as, especially as an author, I value it. And what I do yeah. as a, you know, as a media executive and all that I want, I mean, you, you're valuable to me, you're invaluable, as a matter of fact, because I love speaking to everyone's audiences. Um, Unsugarcoated Media is a nonprofit media production company that actually produces Unsugarcoated with Alia under me. And so I, you know, look, I do have an amazing network. I'm, I'm, I think as a producer, my, but my reason to reach out to people is like, if you have a story or if you have something that we can talk about that empowers survivors of trauma, that's my goal. Like I have celebrity friends that I'm like, oh yeah, you've got a lot of followers and you're a celebrity, but what are we going to talk about and what value right. can we bring? Because ultimately mm -hmm. that's really, you know, so, but I am thankful enough, like Larry Namer, the co-founder of E, who's one of my mentors and amazing mm -hmm. person he is on there. Michael Yislin, the, the original, or the originator of Batman film franchise, as we know it, he's nice. the man responsible for all of it, you know, and uh, I do it in seasons. It's on hiatus right now, but Unsugarcoated with Alia is on all platforms and I have a video production. We recorded out of UBN Studios in Burbank and that's up on YouTube. It's been award nominated for social good because it is a social good empowerment contest or uh, excuse me, a uh, slash empowerment podcast, not contest. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> And yeah, you know, it's just, look, I recognize the value. I think that these conversations need to be had. And so ultimately, I'm like you. I want to empower and really, again, my my audience is survivors of trauma. So yeah, sometimes mm -hmm. you'll see me on billboards around Los Angeles and stuff like that. I just, you know, yeah. but, you know, at the same token, you'll find me in my Nikes and in my sweatpants, <laughs> at the local Ralph's like everybody else. Mm -hmm. But I just, I want to be able to use my influence for good. You know, absolutely. that's it. That's a real superhero to me. Oh, absolutely. You know, what I find interesting is people waiting till they feel like they have some sort of level or stature to do something good. I'm like, you can't expect to get and you not you cannot expect to level up if you aren't doing it where you are. So yeah. serve where you are, because when yeah. you do that, when you're serving other people where you are, the opportunities, they find you. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's truth. That's truth. Like I, I will say, even in our past business and growing and, you know, to the revenue part of your podcast, like what makes, um, you know, individuals successful is the understanding truly that you are creating impact. You mm -hmm. are. And it's, you know, it's like 
I, I've always in all, in my businesses, even with Metro PCS, you know, I looked for ways to give back to the community. I gave, I looked for ways to send a message that we care. We're not just yeah. here for your dollars. We're here, you know, as a community and mm. that contributed to the success of our business. So, you know, it's, a, it matters. So I love your Absolutely point. Absolutely it does. And so that leads me into another question because you kind of brought it up there a moment ago. What is your definition of success? Mm. You know, I always love that question. I mean, success really is being able to do what you want to do with your time. I, but see, at the same token, like success is an objective word. Uh, maybe it's the author in me. Uh, maybe it's the, you know, but, um, but, you know, like to me, like, okay, what is, if I make one film mm -hmm. and, and I know that I'm dealing in a world where a lot of people don't get to make a film at all, but mm -hmm. I made one film. Am I not successful in just that one act of doing something that I really wanted to do and I did it and I accomplished it? Like that's a, so it's, I, there's a, different levels of success to me, okay. but ultimately the definition of to success to me is you, you set your mind out on something, mm -hmm. you, you enacted all the necessary things to get it done. Okay. And at some point success is enjoying the rewards, reaping the harvest. And I'm not just talking about financially. I mean, just right. in whatever it is that you wanted it to return to you, mm. you've got that. That is success in its purest form, I believe. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know what you think, but yeah. And then do we apply that? Like, see, my to me, you could be a successful person with a lot of money, but your, your attitude is all wrong. Your priorities are in a disarray. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, you may be successful financially, but as an individual, you failed horribly, mm. right? Oh, yeah. So it just depends on what you're speaking about. Sure. I've seen that a lot. I've seen people that if you, again, you look on the surface, if you think in terms of success being monetary, well, they've got it made. But if you think in terms of success being relationally driven, these people are paupers. They're as mm -hmm. poor as they can because they have no clue. They don't know what. To, they use people like napkins, paper napkins, wipe, throw away. And, yeah. you know, honestly, I feel sad for them. I really do. You asked what my definition is. Uh, I'll say what my current definition is because it, it is, it's changed over the years, but right now it's, it's pretty simple. It's getting up one more time than I fall, honestly, because that's for me, that's where I learn. That's where the success comes in. It's not the falling. It's what caused the fall and what can I do to, for me, yeah. that's where the success comes. Cause then I learned something. I got better from it. You know, it's very interesting when you say that, because it reminds me of being in my yoga class once upon a time. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and this the uh, instructor, at our, our guide that day for the practice had taught. He was like, I just learned a new move. And I, he'd gotten back from a retreat mm. and that man got, you know, he went all the way down and then he went all the way back up. And I don't know if you if you try that, like it's with and without hands. If you're able to just on your own, completely bring your body back up to a full position without using your arms, but using the rest of your body, oh. that's strength. Yeah. That's there's, there's, and there's courage and there's resistance and there's, you know, all, I mean, I should say courage. Cause like, yeah, I didn't want to fall on my butt in front of the class. He was like, anyone who wants to try it with me? I was like, not me. I'm all about to come back next week. And try yeah. <laughs> but, but I love that he, you know, we, so I say that to say when you when you say that it reminds me truly yes success is getting knocked down air you know and getting back up for you know part, that's part of the journey the mm. the resisting of saying you're not putting me down like my, mm. my I know I'm 
I'm notorious for my quips. Okay, which is funny. My mother-in-law who lives in Texas, because my husband now, he's from Joseph, he's from Texas. And his mother says things to me that every time, like when she, whenever she says, well, you know what they say, Alia, I'm like, I don't know. Should I get a pen and paper? Because this stuff <laughs> has got to be good. You need to write a book with this stuff. I can't even, like sometimes she'll say it. She's in a very serious moment. And I'm like, what you just said is so funny. I need to focus on that. For, but anyway, she, <laughs> my quip, you know, then of course I forget the quip I was going to say. Um, where there's a will, there's a way. You know, if you, just because you meet a difficult situation does not mean it's impossible. Yeah. Difficult is not impossible. Right. And, you know, that's something that a lot of people, even successful people don't fully understand at times. That's true. That's true. One of the things that that I have learned over that I've found extremely helpful is self the absolute best leaders out there are they know how to lead themselves. And I will say that anybody who's listening or watching, if you have any desire to lead in any capacity, it starts with if you can't lead you, you cannot expect to lead. it's just it's not gonna work. Yeah. I I find it you know, my grandfather, yeah, quit, quit right there. You know, be a leader, not a follower. I heard that all the time. Be a leader, not a follower. Be a leader, not a follower. Um, true story. My, my brother, I have, I have a one biological younger brother. I have three adopted sisters and one biological brother. And he, when he was little, he, or he was 13, remember the Bobby Brown um, lines that you oh, could yeah. put in the side of the head? Yeah. And my grandfather, my, my brother comes home thinking he's cool. He's got this, he's 13. He's got this little cool haircut. Right. My, my grandfather took him down to the police department and had him have mug shots done because his, <laughs> his philosophy was you're because to him, you're following the crowd, mm. which, which was interesting. Cause really my brother was being a little bit unique in his own little way, but to my grandfather, you know, mm. he was following the crowd and he just mm -hmm. did not do, did not see that as a good thing yeah. so i think for me also i mean speaking to your point of self-leadership and for the audience yeah i think you know it if you're somebody who has always naturally led and and you you know that yeah. and if you haven't naturally felt that then to your point john yeah there you gotta you've gotta work on that like mm -hmm. i'm naturally shy i'm naturally shy <laughs> I, every time I say that to people, they do not believe me because in most of my situations, I overcome the anxiety <laughs> yeah. or fear that I'm having at that moment because I'm knowing it's just, an it's just my body having this natural response. But mm -hmm. by taking a breath and, you know, knowing who you are, stepping into your power, what are you afraid of? It changes everything. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So if you don't have the skill, then you have to develop it. If you're not a good singer, you got to get vocal lessons mm -hmm. before you can put out a hit single for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. You know, that's true in so many areas of, you know, I'm I'm sure you get questions all the time, maybe who are wanting to like break into a specific industry where you have, you know, I have people ask me questions all the time. How do I start my own business? Or they ask me, how do I, how do I become a speaker? How do I become a coach? And the interesting is, especially when, when it comes to the, someone who thinks that he or she is a naturally, I'm actually afraid for them. And the reason I say that is because I've seen far too many that have, they've relied upon their natural goodness and they haven't developed it. And so when I run into them five or 10 years later, they're not any better than they were. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, I met others who were just beginning to do that and weren't very good five and 10 years later, amazing. Right. Because they worked at it. They got better at it. 
And that's what we have to do in all areas of life. If it's important to us, we have to work at it. Back to an earlier point we're talking about, and it is related some to what we're going to talk about in just a minute, and that is relationship. Uh, something that I say all the time, relationships are a risk, but they are never a weight. Right. I agree. I agree. And they take effort. You have to put work into them. Relationships do not just happen. They don't. Even the best ones out there take a lot of work because you as a person are going to change over time. You just are. And the person you're with, whether that's a spouse, a significant other, whether it's your child, a client, whoever it is, that relationship is going to change over time because the people change over time. If the relationship isn't changing, but the people are, the relationship's doomed. Right. Just right. Is. It is. My no, suspicion I... is that's what happened with yours. Well, yeah. I mean, we married, we were in our 20s. We got married. We had actually dated for five years before getting married. Wow. And we had already done a lot of work together. And um, but then we we got married. And, and then that, then that's when we uh, really took the Metro PCS to the next level. You know, it's interesting. And to your point, I do have to say this, like, I do not regret my past marriage and even the things that happened. And I'll even yeah. say this, he's not the worst person in the world. You know, he is narcissistic. I, he does not like to hear that, but he is narcissistic <laughs> and God help him. If he can ever figure that shit out, he got to actually be a great package, but yeah. all the, again, to the whole money and success, you know, there's a saying, uh, a woman's integrity is tested when her man has none, but a man's integrity, integrity is tested when he has it all. And uh, in, yeah. that's, a, you know, and so in my case, money, success changed him into a person. And this is what happened where even though I had helped build it, he just, I think some men, I'm not going to speak for them, but I feel that some men feel uh, that they're entitled to do what they want because maybe they, you're working. I actually did a lot of the, like I set up all the contracts. Um, I made sure we weren't getting taken to the cleaners and all of our store locations, the mm. scouting dealt, dealt with a lot. But I will say I did more of the brains work behind building the business, the mm. HR. I told them what we had to do, what we couldn't do. He actually worked in the stores oh. and, you know, and so, well, I did too at one point, but then, you know, we had two kids back to back and then I got sick with cancer. So it transitioned for me working outside of the stores and more kind of managing the business side of it and the strategy. And that in his mind, it gave him permission, you know, mm. to, Hey, I'm, I'm allowed to indulge myself. I, mm. I'm taking care of my family. I'm taking care of my wife. So why can't I do what I want to. And that was his narcissism coming in. Yeah. Right. And I'm speaking yeah. from an emotionally intelligent place, no anger, no bitterness, just mm -hmm. realizing that it is what it is. Right? right. Because a lot of times when you do come to the end of the relationship, you're, you're too busy blaming somebody, mm -hmm. even yourself or trying to associate blame when ultimately none of that matters. It is what it is. And, you know, so for me at the end of the relationship, that's what happened. You know, he mm -hmm. got, he got cocky and I just, and I, and I, re, and I bucked that. You know, I was not going to be the traditional supportive, loving wife I had been up until that point. And I admit that I, you know, I was I'm in a community where a lot of women were in similar circumstances and they they decided to stick with it. Mm. There are those people that there are those families and that's, a, you know, that's their choice. But it wasn't one for me. Mm. And um, so that's what happened. But, I, you know, what it, what it taught me. And it taught me so much. Mm -hmm. Like, like I said, moving forward and really understanding business the way that I do now is where I see a marriage is like a business partnership. Mm. It, it really the same way that I would go look to acquire a business, you know, and 
is it something, is it a business worth investing into, right? Mm -hmm. Is it going to yield a revenue that I want? Is it going to return on my investment? Like what, what, why would I buy this business if it wasn't going to do something positive for me? Because mm -hmm. nobody is getting into business to lose money, right? Do you know anybody who's like, yeah, let me sign up for this investment where I'm guaranteed <laughs> to lose out? No. So in a, in a personal relationship, we forget sometimes that those some, same qualifying factors are what we should be looking at, especially for a lifetime commitment, right? Right. So well, of course, that, that of course begs the question, you know, is the person looking for? Mm. I, I guess it depends on your perspective. I mean, I, I know for me, I'd rather not if I don't think the other person can be. Right. But you got to admit, and I hate to tell all the 20 year olds, I'm sorry, guys, y'all do a lot of stuff that you're going to regret later on or, 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 or not regret, but you're just going to be like hindsight 2020. Maybe I, you know, I could have, because ultimately you can't change the past. It is what it is, but sometimes, okay. Like I have moments in life that I look back and I wish I would have behaved differently or I would have made a sure. different choice. You know, that's oh, yeah. fine to wish it. So that's what I'm saying. 20 year olds, you will, or you get your, you make decisions when you're in your twenties because you're still not emotionally intelligent enough. Or like, right. like for example, my ex-husband and I, we dated for five years. I think he wanted to get married and he loved me, but I mean, look, it's like, I think you just, you, so a lot of people get married because they feel like, well, we've just been together for a while now. We're doing all this and, and may, and there, the signs may already be there to some extent, but you just don't want to acknowledge them because you're like, okay, well, you know, Hey, if it doesn't work out, what's the worst that can happen? We'll just get divorced. That's what a lot of people say. And you know right. what? Sadly, that's why there are more divorces now. Oh yeah. Because they're not really going in with a life. They think they're going in with a lifetime commitment, but they're not right. No. Many times they, they look at it, they go in with like, there are options. Right. It's like, right. That, to me, that, that's the wrong perspective to have. It's like, if you're going to choose to go into this, it's like, we're in this together. Mm -hmm. The thick and thin, no matter what. We're going to have to figure out a way through this because there's no backing out. Yeah. And like, I definitely say that I tried to apply as my emotional intelligence grew. I tried to really apply that in my life. Case in mm -hmm. point, and this is a true story. And this is a little juicy. I actually hired the girl that my ex-husband had an affair with. So that wow. that was actually one of the last straws. Well, for a year and a half, I stayed in the marriage. I, I, I caught him having a, an affair with an 18-year-old girl that I had hired. And here's the interesting thing about this story. This is why I have to tell it. Because as a woman, you want to show yourself to be confident to your husband. Like I was around other women who would like not let pretty girls ever work in the stores because, oh. you know, they had to be, you know, it's like getting the unattractive nanny or unattractive <laughs> house cleaners that okay. very... Right. Right. Yeah, Feel me? Okay. So I'm not, but I'm not that chick. I'm not insecure like that. So I remember mm -hmm. there was two applicants that I was interviewing. One was a guy and then the other was her. Mm -hmm. And technically she was a little bit more qualified. So I, I and I remember sitting there thinking, well, she's kind of cute or no, she wasn't. She was cute. I said, I said, well, she's 18. And I said, but what's my husband going to have in common with an 18 year old? And why am I being so you're I don't be like that. Like I was telling myself, don't be like that, you know, don't. And sure enough, man. But so, so while some people can accuse me of putting that into the universe, no, don't blame me for that. That I think it was more of a premonition. <laughs> you know, I, let me, let me speak to that for just a minute. And I've, I've said this before on the show. I truly believe now other people may think I'm crazy. I'm sure they do for many reasons, but this, I think I'm right on the money. I believe <laughs> that God puts inside of women something that I call a sixth sense. There is something that women have that men do not have. You, you got, you ladies, you have the ability to sense things 
that we don't get. And so I give my ex-wife full credit. She saved us from so many giant mistakes that I would have made if I had not listened. Right, right. And, you know, and so that, that, and that happens and I wanted, and so I, I, I put myself, I, I shouldn't say I put myself in this situation. I did not. That's the thing. But ultimately it happened. And, um, you know, it, I stayed in the marriage for a year and a half before in trying to, because I didn't believe that infidelity should be the reason a marriage ends. And I do believe that. I really do. Because, you know, um, but once you really recognize all the signs that it's toxic and that it's not going to change, I had, you know, gone to the therapist. I tried to get him to therapy. You know, it just became a point where it was, it was very, because like I said, I was now no longer in this subservient, you're my king, you know, and that happens. That happens, guys. Can't help, you know, when you change, when any somebody, when women or men, when they change the goalposts in a relationship, mm-hmm. you can't blame your other partner for responding, you know, or reacting. And again, everything has its process and infidelity has its process. It has its process of healing mm-hmm. and recovery, just like any scar. But unfortunately, what happens in a lot of marriages is they don't know how to address those scars. So they just keep ripping it open mm. until one day somebody is like, forget this. And, and for me, being a three time cancer survivor and already dealing with a lot at that time, which is in the book, um, man, I didn't fight to put up with that SHIT. Am I allowed to curse? <laughs> Be yourself, Alia. That's all I ever want. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, it's like, I know I, I always want to be respectful also to network. Some people don't, you know, people are like, oh, you can't. And that's like, oh, then I'll see. But no, I mean, yeah, I didn't fight so hard to be here living this life to put up with that shit. I just didn't. You know, we mm-hmm. deserve better. We deserve better. To my point earlier, again, nobody's going into something trying to waste their time and energy. Right. Like, so if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. If it don't make peace, then it don't make sense. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, I get that. So we talk all the time on this podcast about relationships um, and the importance of them, specifically about things we can do to improve what we consider to be our most significant relationships. Typically, that's in the home, although not all. And so what I want to know is what are you doing, Alia, to improve your most significant relationships and what impact do those have on your business? I love that question. And thank you. Um, you, you know, I, and I love that you brought up too, because relationships to me is not always, you know, a, another man or woman or someone you're in a relationship with at home. I mean, yeah, every my relationships with my kids, my relationships mm-hmm. with the people in my organization uh, or people that I work with, because I do, I collaborate a lot with others on projects. And so I think that for me, the way that I really, I don't think, I know, is I'm very, I've learned to be very communicative. Hmm. I've learned to, and in that sense, I am unsugarcoated. This is a funny story. My mother-in-law, okay, so uh, I never like to make it sound like I'm cheap because I'm not, but I am resourceful and I don't like to waste money. I just don't like to waste money. It's a thing, okay? I'm not, and if I, and, and, and I save money where I can so that I can spend money where I want to. Okay. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's not like, I don't know how to spend money. Trust me. But I, I just, I, I, I tend, I consider myself a practical person because I care about my family and I don't want to waste money just to waste it. So like, for example, Mm -hmm. if the heater is on and it's not that cold, put on a sweater. Why do we have to, like, I am, I I sound like my grandmother, (laughs) right? admittedly, but I am a grandma now. So anyways, um, (laughs) so, so it was funny because um, we lived in this house 
uh, in my mother and father-in-law had come to visit us and my mother and father-in-law just so happened to like, they wash their, I hope they don't see this. Oh, no, I kidding. I hope they do, but it's okay. I love you, mother-in-law. You and I have the best mother-in-law ever. And that's the thing I really do. We had always had a really great relationship. So this is kind of, you know, so this is a newer mother-in-law to me. She'd only been my mother-in-law like a year and a half. I, and she, they came to visit us in California and they have a habit of washing a lot. Like, and they'll wash just like a couple things. I mean, I don't know, because they've arrived at that time in their life, they can do that at their house and they, they live out there. I don't know, their electricity is different in Texas than it is here in California where it's expensive as hell. <laughs> yeah, right. And um, so, you know, I remember when they came, so they had come to visit us once before and literally, I swear, it was like our electricity bill jumped up like $300 in one month. It was insane. And, and, and it took us to a higher tier even because the electric company is like, wow, you're using a lot of light. And it was the dry, washer and dryer that they would do. Oh. So anyway, so on the subsequent visit, I know I'm getting to the point, I promise. I, t- I, I very politely, I'm like, hey, you know, just just if you need to wash something, you know, just let us know. Because last time, like, you know, and, and I just kind of had made mention, like, we're, we're trying to be more conservative with the electricity. And I guess it had really offended her. Oh, wow. But what was ironic is when we sat down and she said, well, you know, and, and I just told her, I looked at her and I said, well, listen, your family, right? Like we're, we're supposed to be related here. Would you rather me be unauthentic with you? Would you rather me be the wife who doesn't care how much money your son is paying for all the bills? If you really want to take it there, would you, would you rather me be honest and open with you or hide what I, what I don't really want to, and then be, make it a bigger issue. And she was like, no, I'd rather you feel like you can say anything. And I'm like, okay, so then what's the problem? Because if I can't be honest with you, then we're not really in a relationship, right? Yeah. So what do I do? I really do try to maintain my integrity in all the relationships that I have. I try to consider things outside of my my perspective. Like, for example, I mean, even if it takes me a minute, sometimes I'm like, ah, and then I take a second and cool down and think about it for a minute. With my kids, that's been interesting, you know, like during COVID and sometimes and I'm like, I have to think about what would it feel like to be a 14 year old kid going through the pandemic? Not, you know, what would that feel like? And so then I, I course correct, right? I think about a rocket taking off on the way to the moon, to the moon, that trajectory, but then we can get off trajectory, Mm -hmm. but get back on it and get back to wherever it is that you're trying to go. And so I, I maintain an awareness that communication matters. Mm -hmm. And if you really care about something, you're going to take the time to make it work and make it be as good as it can be. And so that's how I, and and I do that with all my relationships, no matter what. We're getting close to wrap up time, Alia. I've got a couple more here. First of all, where can people find you, you know, your podcast and the work that like the films and things that you're creating, where can folks find all that? Awesome. Thank you. Well, the podcast, yeah, as I had said on any um, major podcast, any major po- platform, it's on iHeart, Spotify. I'm so sorry for the background noise if that happens to be coming up. I have a neighbor with a car. Um, I was really praying that that's not coming through. So if you have to edit it out, I understand. Um, but where can people get a hold of me? I am on Instagram, Alia underscore unsugarcoated. I, my books, they can be purchased anywhere, any um, bookstores or ordered through Barnes and Nobles, of course, uh, Amazon, things like that. I think even the ebook right now, I still have it at 99 cents just because the, the second one, Yugend, is actually out for 99 cents. And that mm. one's on, that's a hard hitting message on racism and mm. uh, stereotyping. And that one has actually won three awards for international awards for multicultural fiction. Nice. Um, uh, podcasts, books, 
And, you know, honestly, the film projects. So on YouTube, we have Unsugarcoated Media has its channel. And we have there, though we have them in like um, actually Fighting Fire with Fire is a social good short that we've produced along with profiling and uh, uh, breaking the cycle of child abuse as well. Those three products are out. And what's great is, you know, they're five minute social good shorts that do tell a story of one person that we've chosen to highlight. Mm. And, um, and I love that we continue to do that. And then right now just stay tuned in theaters. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm doing major, you know, ma- there are streaming platforms and, and things like that to come. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, I end every episode with a final four. There are four quick questions. You just tell me the first thing to pop in your head. Okay. All right, here it is. Number I'm good one. at these. Okay, I All can't. Right. I cannot wait for, for this full disclosure. I really do try to play this game as authentically as possible. So if something comes out of my mouth that's not supposed to, please don't hate me. It's just I do have a very warped mind. Okay. Okay, go. Well, we we are warned now. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> All right. So here's the first question. So okay. why did God create Alia? Or stated another way, what is your purpose? <laughs> oh my God, to kick ass. Okay. I love that. I love the authenticity behind that. All right, here's question two. What are you doing, reading, or listening to right now that's helping you grow? Uh, the, code, uh, the Code of the Extraordinary Mind. Yes, that's it. The code, coding, code, coding, code of the Extraordinary Mind. Okay. Yes. Uh, it's a book. Sorry. <laughs> gotcha. All right. The, uh, the third question. What do you do for fun? Mm, music. Music is my fun. Music is my my outlet. You know, music. So dancing, sing, play, dancing, listen, all all of that. All of it. I'll okay. sing one. I'll sing one song for you. The love. No I'm kidding. I won't <laughs> sing the love boat for you. <laughs> that would be fun, actually. <laughs> that would be fun. actually. You know what I did? I'll do it for you. I did it for another podcast. I did it. I, I and I don't always do this. And I know I don't know how we have a few minutes left, but like there is one little thing that I do that's very very inspiring, and it does have relationships. And it 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 has a theme to it, and so people mm. tend to love it. One, I I memorized this to show my kids I could still memorize stuff, being as I'm a grandma, I'm accused of forgetting everything. <laughs> Secondly, anyone who knows the music Hamilton, so if you, the words that come out of this, it's from a Hamilton play, Hamilton being one of the founding fathers. This is the great Broadway play that written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. And of course, Hamilton, the musical is based on, on him and his life was rather tragic starting out. And yeah, survivor of trauma in the house and what still, how that fueled him. Like for me, when I'm pressed against the wall, that's when the best side of me comes out, right? Like mm. under pressure, I shine. Cause that's, that's when like, oof, you know? So, so this little bit is really just a, um, a representation of like, when you finally have a shot, whether it's at your relationships or whether it's at your revenues, man, are you giving it up? Are you going to give everything that you've got? So have you, you've, have you heard me do this on Clubhouse Mm-mm, before? I have you've not. never heard me do this. No. Oh, so this will be a little surprise. So Alia raps. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm not going to tell you terribly well, but you know, hopefully your audience <laughs> will, will appreciate the motivation behind it. All right. All right. Here we go. Here we go. So I am not throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. Yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. 
I'm gonna get a scholarship to King's College. I probably shouldn't brag, but dang, I amaze and astonish. The problem is I got a lot of brains with no polish. I gotta holler just to be heard with every word. I drop knowledge, I'm a diamond in the rough. A shiny piece of coal trying to reach my goal. My power of speech unimpeachable. Only 19, but my mind is older. These New York City streets getting colder. I shoulder every burden, every disadvantage. I have learned to manage. I don't have a gun to brandish. I walk these streets famished. The plan is to fan this spark into a flame. But damn, it's getting dark. So let me spell out my name. I am the A. L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R. We are meant to be a colony that runs independently. Meanwhile, Britain keeps spitting on us endlessly. Essentially, they tax us relentlessly. Then King George turns around and runs a spending spree. He's never going to set his descendants free. So there will be a revolution in this century. And to me, he says in parentheses, don't be shocked when your history books mentions me. I will lay down my life if it sets us free. Eventually, you'll see my ascendancy. And I am not throwing away my shot. There you go. Oh, wow. I am so impressed. Well done. But you like the message in it, right? Absolutely, yes. Like, you get it. Like, if you've totally. really, truly gone through it, and, like, if you've come up from the mud like I have, you know what ground zero looks like, and you mm -hmm. know what it is to say, I am not letting that destroy me. I am not letting that define me. Mm -hmm. Then you understand why I love that little bit so much. So Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely love that. Now, I'm going to wrap it up with one final question. Sounds good. And that is, what are you most grateful for? Mm, everything. Everything. Okay, then give me one. <sighs> that is funny. Uh, give you one. I mean, everything, like, the will. Like, I'm grateful for the, I'm grateful for grace. You know what? I'm grateful for grace in my life. Because, because t by some people's standards, I don't deserve to be here. But grace really does allow me to, because look, I can look back on my life and I can tell you that there, again, back to the point of like the things that I couldn't say, I'm not happy that I did that, mm -hmm. you know, but I can't change it. I can't right. go back. There's no time travel available this current moment um, to go back and yeah. change it. So I have to live with it. Yeah. So thank God for grace, because I am by no means a perfect person. You know, I'm perfectly imperfect, as I like to say. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thankful for everything that has happened. But most especially, I definitely would say I'm grateful for grace that I can. Well, Alia, thank you so much for your time today. I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, it's meant the world to me to be able to spend a little bit of time with you and to be able to share just a portion of your story with our audience. So thank you so much for Thank you for having me. I hope I didn't drive your audience crazy and I hope they <laughs> and I love your invitation. I love everything that you're doing. Please keep doing it and let let me know in any way that I can ever support um, you know, you and your journey. Because I know it's an amazing one as well. So I look forward to to more. Thank you for having me. Well thank you very much for saying that. Those of you watching or viewing this again, so grateful that you decided to invest a little bit of your time with us because I know that is your most precious resource. Once again, thanks for being here. We'll talk to you guys next. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening, and remember, passion gets you started, purpose keeps you going. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Bye.